I hope you're having a great start to your Wednesday morning. This is the Around the Bases podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, a.k.a. TG, a.k.a. T-Greg, a.k.a. Ty. <clears throat> it is Wednesday, March 11th. That's right. We're in the middle of March Madness. Tur- conference tournaments are getting ramped up heavily today. Um, you know... Basketball is having a huge impact right now. Um, And that's not to take anything away from the softball game, but, you know, March Madness is one of the biggest events that we have in college, collegiate sports. Um, But, you know, anyway, that's that's if you want to talk to me about March Madness, we can do that outside of this. We don't need to talk about that here. This is reserved for softball and softball only. So let's dive right in, shall we? <clears throat> First headlines. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think it's just me anymore at this point. Uh, but Central Florida is having a really good under the radar season. Um, and now the first RPI rankings came out on. Um, I don't know. It was either yesterday or Monday, um, but. They were the RPI rankings are through Sunday's games, and the Central Florida's RPI is really good, and we'll discuss that a little bit later here. Um, but Central Florida is having a real so RPI is saying they're not having an under the radar season, but every other rankings that I've looked at seems to think that Central Florida is just flying under the radar right now, and they're having a really good season that I'm certainly taking notice here. Um, but my other my question was, could they keep it up and make some noise come tournament time? Um, I fully believe they will continue that this run that they're on, and they very well could make some noise once the NCAA tournament starts um, in May. <clears throat> Depending on what regional they are in, they could very easily sneak through to the supers if they were you know if they get the right matchup <clears throat> and we'll talk about their game that they played at UCLA over the weekend but man is this team having a good season <clears throat> Central Florida has very much impressed me along with Fresno State um, they've impressed me as well <clears throat> um, who else um Cal State Fullerton, they're having, they're playing really good teams really well. So um, we'll see how all of the North Texas is another one. I would have said Coastal Carolina if they didn't get manhandled by South Carolina yesterday, but anyway, moving on. Now this one. This next topic, you know, it hurts on a it hurts on a different different level. Um, but JMU softball is just not the same team that you, everyone is used to seeing. And I could go in, <clears throat> I could go into reasons as to why that is. Um, you know, Odyssey Alexander is hurt, um, and. You can just feel the difference with not having Odyssey or Megan Good in the circle and at the plate right now. Um, the defense is prone to having errors and mental lapses every now and then, um, which we'll, we can discuss that as well. But um, certain pitches are being left in too good of spots for hitters as well. Um a season that started with really high expectations is, you know, it's not nece- it's not <clears throat> over by any means. It's just we need to get full. We need to get fully healthy in the circle, and then, you know, once that comes along, the bats. I mean, the bats are still there. It's just sometimes they get cold from game to game um it's just one of those things that yeah it's playing out weird game to game and if you look at jmu's six losses 
I mean, Kansas, certainly not a team you would expect JMU to lose to, from my experience. Georgia twice. Okay, fine. SEC, sure. Um, Lehigh, certainly not a team you would expect them to lose to. And that's probably the head-scratcher game that... I mean, there's always a head-scratching loss from season to season. That one's probably the one Lehigh right now. Especially with the way we came out against them the next day and beat the crap out of them. So, but... Um, and then UConn twice. UConn, that's another team that's actually better than people think. I mean, having seen them in person twice, a beat a JMU twice, as a matter of fact, which again we'll go into that in the recap later. But um, <clears throat> um, UConn's better than people think they are. They're not getting as nearly as much national attention as they might deserve but UConn is definitely a team that you know they could do some damage if they because their their star pitcher is 9-0 and in the circle which is pretty much about half of their games that they've played she hasn't well I guess she's 10-0 and after beating Austria yesterday um, but their best pitcher is 10-0 and in the circle that's I mean if they pick if they might have to ride her in order to be dangerous Come American Conference Tournament and NCAA Tournament, but if they can ride her and get the hitting that they need, UConn could very well give some teams some trouble in the NCAA Tournament. Um, but it's just, but back to JMU, it's just, this season has had growing pains, um, I mean, every season has its own adversity, this season by far has a lot of adversity for JMU um but you know they'll be stronger for it once we you know we're getting very close to conference play they're gonna head out to Jacks or they actually headed out to Jacksonville last night for a tournament down in Florida so um they should right the ship down there in Jacksonville um and then they'll start conference play in the CAA next weekend which I hope to be there. We'll see. Um, but, uh, you know, they still got some games left on the schedule that they that can help them a lot. They still got Virginia Tech. They got Liberty. Um, those two are definitely going to be helpers towards the uh, RPI ratings and the, you know, just overall resume that the NCAA tournament can look at or the NCAA committee can look at. Um, but, uh, you know, this team will be fine. They just need to get, once they get fully healthy in the circle, things should start clicking a lot more from, uh, I mean, in, that's my opinion. Um, we'll just have to wait and see what happens, but, you know, um, and we'll talk a little, we'll talk about one player in particular. I, you'll know who, you know who I'm talking about if you, you you'll know. As soon as I get to it, who I'm talking about. But, um, yeah, so we'll just see how things progress for them. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how the rest of this season plays out for them. So, um, anyway, moving on. (laughs) This next topic, should games end in a tie? I understand there are circumstances that have to pause a game or stop a game for the day. But I fully believe that games should not end in a tie, ever. I mean, and the reason that I bring this up, travel issues forced Central Florida and Minnesota's game to end in a draw, which is unfortunate because I believe they should continue their game at another time during the season to be able to have it go down as a win or loss instead of just going down as a tie. Um, And that could have been a huge win for either program. I mean... If Central Florida could have picked up a win over Minnesota, that's huge for them. I mean, that that's just another layer to their um, another layer of the icing on their cake to the season. I mean, and Minnesota that could have been a huge win for them if they had been able to, 
you know, knock off Central Florida because Minnesota is having some struggles here. Um, but man, I think games should only end in a tie. You know, in soccer, soccer is the only uh, sport that ties should ever be allowed of the major sports. Um, baseball, I uh, again, that's the same thing as softball. I understand their circumstances, but baseball games should never end in a tie. Basketball never ends in a tie. Football, I don't think should ever end in a tie, but it's happened on several many several occasions. You know, within the past couple of years, no less. Um, what's the other one? Hockey doesn't end in a tie. So I mean, I soccer is the only sport that I believe should end in a tie. That's just how I feel about it, but, you know, uh, there's not much. I, I mean, I can't really say or do anything about it, so, I mean, I'm just going to have to sit here and accept that ties are still possible in softball, but that I think they should have. I mean, they were in the ninth inning, too, so, I mean, they could have. Uh, it just frustrates me that games can end in a tie, but you know what? I I could rant about that for days, so I'm just going to leave it at that and move on to my next subject, which is who made a statement to open SEC play this past weekend. Georgia certainly made a statement after they lost to South Carolina on Friday by taking the next two games at home. So Georgia avoided losing a series at home to South Carolina, and Alabama did the same thing with Arkansas. Arkansas took the opening game of the series away from Alabama at at Road Stadium in Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Tuscaloosa, no, it's Tuscaloosa. Um, and then Alabama responded by taking the next two games against Arkansas, and I believe they were in pretty convincing fashion. Um, okay, yes, they were. Um, and we'll talk about that more during the recap of the week, as you all know. Florida swept Auburn. Only one game was close, and that game went to the 11th inning, if I remember correctly. Um, give me one second. Um, yes, so... Florida beat Arizona, I mean Arizona, good lord. Florida beat Auburn in the um, 11th inning on Saturday. So that was the only close game between the two. Um, Missouri swept Ole Miss, but to be fair, Ole Miss wasn't, is or isn't a great team right now. Um, and I think the RPI will reflect that once we get into that discussion. Um, but SEC Series of the Weekend has to go to the one series that went to Monday um, between Kentucky and Texas A&M. What a series that was. That was an absolute beauty of a series. Um, Kentucky won the series 2-1 to one at home, but every game was exciting in its own right, as I will you know, go into once we get back to the recap. Um, that, I mean, Kentucky, Texas A&M. I didn't expect Texas A&M to show what they did this weekend, but I have to give Texas A&M credit. They made that series with Kentucky a very, very exciting series. Um, so that was fun to watch um, Monday night on SEC Network how that series ended. Um, next, Pac-12 play begins this weekend, so let's take a look at those matchups. We got, um, Oregon travels to Cal this weekend. Um, uh, I anticipate Oregon sweeping Cal, even though they are on the road. Um, having seen Cal in person, I'm not impressed by their team in any shape or form. So I have to lean heavily in Oregon's favor to get the sweep here in this case. Um, we'll see how the bat, uh, we'll see how it plays out over the weekend, but I fully anticipate Oregon to sweep that series. 
Oregon State and Mariah Maison travel to Arizona. And I think this matchup is certainly by far in Arizona's favor. But I think Oregon State has enough to be able to take a game from them. I don't know if Oregon State will take a game from them over at Hillenbrand Stadium in Tucson, Arizona. But I'm not going to outright say Arizona sweeps Oregon State, even though they are at home. I think Oregon State Oregon State has the potential to take a game away from them. Um, regardless, I have Arizona at least winning this series two to one or sweeping. Either one will either one is what I expect to happen, but just look out for that moving forward. And then Utah travels to Washington to take on the Huskies up there in uh, Seattle. Um Another one that I have the home team very much in favor here. Washington, definitely my favorite in that series. I think Washington sweeps Utah. I was leaning towards Washington winning this series 2-1, to one, but something recently is telling me Utah's not going to be able to hang with Washington. Um, I don't know what that something nagging at my uh, the back of my head is that's saying that, but that is what it is. And before I get into my most anticipated Pac-12 matchup of the weekend, I must say that um, Stanford is taking the week off. They're the only Pac-12 team not going to be playing a Pac-12 series this weekend since the Pac-12 only has nine softball teams, but that's okay. Um, But my closest matchup of the four Pac-12 matchups this weekend, Arizona State at UCLA. Though uh, that's, <laughs> and albeit that's the closest matchup of the four matchups that I have. I mean, Oregon State Arizona gave that this Arizona State UCLA matchup a run for its money, but I think Arizona State certainly has the pieces to compete with UCLA, and I fully anticipate Arizona State taking one game from UCLA. I still think UCLA wins the series. But Arizona State, I think, will take a game from UCLA. Uh, you can mark that down, write it down here, 9.30 or whatever time you're listening to here on Wednesday or in the future. Arizona State will take a game from UCLA. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. So be it. But I think Arizona State takes a game from UCLA. That's just how I feel about it. And we're and that's open for debate. Uh, you know, let me know what you think. Um, we'll see what happens this weekend, and then we can go from there. So, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I think Arizona State takes at least one game away from UCLA. <clears throat> so, as I mentioned, the first RPI rankings came out, and those were through Sunday's games. Are there any surprises or things that stand out? I mean, not shocking. But UNC was at 181, and you'll understand later in the recap why that's big. Um, North Dakota State, traditionally a really good mid-major program out there in the Summit League, is not having a great season at 127th in the RPI. Um, Cal is at 115, certainly the worst-looking team in the Pac-12 so far. Ole Miss, I mentioned Ole Miss earlier, um, not having a great season. They're at 81st in the RPI, which is very low for an SEC school. Loyola Marymount is at 78. I expected them to be a little bit higher, having beaten some of the teams that they've beaten, but I'm not going to, I'll figure out, I'll find my website that tells me all the in-depth analysis of the RPI and all of that good stuff. Um... Texas Tech is at 77. That's certainly a little bit lower than I expected for them. Clemson in their first season, 75. I guess that's not the worst RPI for your first season of softball, so that's not bad at all. Stanford comes in at 61. Liberty comes in at 56, which is interesting because JMU comes in at 53 on the RPI. Um, I thought well, I would have certainly expected that Liberty would be b- 
better than JMU in the RPI, especially their non-conference is like the second best non-conference schedule there is. Um, but to be fair, Liberty's record is not great, but that's because they've played that great competition. Um, McNeese State is certainly a surprise to see at 36. I certainly didn't expect to see them up that high. Louisiana, number one in the nation in RPI. They have the toughest non-conference schedule, and, you know, they're playing pretty well. So, Central Florida, mentioned them to start this uh, podcast. They're at 7th. Duke is at 11th. Surprising. Fresno State's 12. Fresno State's really good, like I said. Oklahoma's at 14. We're used to seeing them in the top 10 all the time in RPI. Cal State Fullerton's at 17. LSU's 19th. Tennessee is somehow at 21st. Um, Troy is at 26th. Kentucky, Arizona State, Florida State are all 27, 28, 29. North Texas is 32. Georgia's at 33, and Baylor's at 35. So those are some of the more interesting ones that I picked up on. I was like, eh, you know, you never know. Um, I can't wait to dive into what what makes the RPI number rankings what they are. Um, the website didn't that I used didn't have it up at the time. Hopefully that'll be up here shortly so I can at least dive into those numbers a little bit more. But we'll see how that goes later. Um, anyway, those are your headlines for this past week. Let's move on to the stat leaders as of Monday. And for the first individual stats, um, we're going to mention one player in particular. Um, I mentioned... Her are uh, well. I didn't mention her name, but I mentioned I would be speaking about a JMU softball player, and I will be speaking about none other than Kate Gordon, as you all know. Um, if you looking looking, let's look at Kate Gordon's numbers <clears throat> for JMU. She's leading the nation in batting average with a five fifty seven. Reminder: This is as of Monday, so things could have changed. Um, she was eighth in the nation in home runs with ten, first in the nation in home runs per game with .53, which doesn't sound all that impressive, but whatever. I mean, first in home runs per game. I mean, she's hitting a half home run per game. That's weird to think about, but anyway. Um, second in on base percentage with a .627. First in the nation in runs per game with 1.68. First in slugging percentage with a 1.180. And she's sixth in the nation in total bases with 72. And just a reminder for you, Kate Gordon is has all those stats having played a week of games less than everyone else. So... What Kate Gordon is doing at JMU Softball is special. And if you're not taking notice of that around the nation, if only the people in the East know about that, that's a problem for me because she's having an absolutely special season and she deserves 100% to be recognized the way that she does or for what she's doing. Because this is one of the more special seasons that you'll see. Having her in the leadoff spot for JMU is an absolute energizer bunny, or it should be. Um, when you lead all or are in the top ten in so many of those categories, that's a special season that has to be taken note of. And can we just write her name in as an All-American now? I mean, it's just an absolutely special season, and I think that nobody's really talking about it that much. I mean, for I mean, she broke the CAA and uh, JMU record for home runs in a career um, held previously held by the great Jalen Ford, 
of JMU. Um, but this is, I mean, it's absolutely amazing what Kate Gordon has done for JMU softball this year. Not only this year, really, um, but in her time at JMU. It's just, she's absolutely special. She's a special person as well as a special player. Um, so she gets her own recognition for being in the top in the top of the stat are those stats so kudos to you Kate Gordon keep being great and you know your name will get mentioned here many times probably as a stat leader individually wise throughout as I continue this season now that we've gotten that praise Uh, Let's move on to the other individual stat leaders. Uh, Bailey Vick of Kentucky is second in the nation in average. .556 runs, second in runs per game with with 1.43. Fourth in on-base percentage with a .616. Uh, Janae Jefferson of Texas is third in batting average with a .554. Allison Febri and Mallory Payton are uh, Oklahoma State and Kentucky, respectively, are both tied for third in the nation in home runs per game with .48. They're also both tied for fourth in the RBIs per game with 1.39. Alex Martins of Kentucky is leads the nation in RBIs per game with 1.96. Courtney Coppersmith of UMBC leads the nation in ERA with .19, as well as strikeouts per seven innings with 15.5. That's incredible. Shelby Wickersham of LSU, second in the nation in ERA with a .4. Allie Kilponen of LSU, third in the nation in ERA with .45. Emily Williams of Mississippi State is fourth in the nation in ERA with a .46. And Carrie Eberly of Oklahoma State is fifth in ERA with a .51. Alex Storacco of Michigan is third in strikeouts per seven innings with 13.2. And Lauren Mathis of Georgia is fifth in strikeouts per seven innings with 12.5. Keely Rochard of Virginia Tech leads the nation with 14 wins on the season. And Megan Faramo of UCLA is tied for second with 13 wins on the season. Sarah Jubas of JMU is fifth in the nation in runs per game with 1.37. <clears throat> Mariah Mazone of Oregon State and Keely Richard of Virginia Tech are both tied for the are tied for the lead in nation in shutouts with six. Megan Faramo of UCLA leads the nation in strikeout-to-walk ratio with a 29.8. Keely Rochard of Virginia Tech leads the nation in strikeouts with 171. Just for reference, Megan Faramo of UCLA is second in the nation in strikeouts with 149. Alex Storacco of Michigan is third in the nation in strikeouts with 141. Amber Pfizer of Minnesota is fourth in the nation in strikeouts with 139. And Mariah Mazone of Oregon State is fifth in the nation in strikeouts with 130. And our last individual stat is Sydney Sherrill of Florida State leads the nation in walks per game with 1.13. Logan Newton of JMU is second in the nation in walks per game with a 1.11. Bailey Hemphill of Alabama is third in the nation in walks per game with 1.09. So congrats to all the individual stat leaders there. Um, All of you keep up your great work, and we'll see if you can continue to stay on my list of individual stat leaders. Team stats. Texas leads the nation in batting average with a .376. UCLA is second with a .368. Washington is third with a .365. And Kentucky is fifth with a .357. LSU leads the nation in ERA with .93. UCLA is second with a 1.2. 
Oklahoma State is third with a 1.26. Mississippi State is fourth with a 1.34. Oregon is second in the nation in fielding percentage with a .986. Florida is third in the nation in fielding percentage with a .983. Washington is fourth in the nation with fielding with a .982. New Mexico State again leads the nation in home runs per game with a one with 1.82. JMU is third in the nation in home runs per game with 1.79. Houston and Arizona State are tied for fourth in home runs per game with 1.71. Kentucky leads the nation in runs per game with 8.74. JMU is second in the nation with 8.47. Arizona State is third with a 7.89. UCLA is fourth with a 7.69. And Washington is 5th with a 7.68. Arizona State leads the nation in slugging percentage with a .649. JMU is 3rd in slugging with .626. And Kentucky is 5th in slugging with a .607. UCLA leads the nation in strikeout to walk ratio with a 10.52. Oregon is 4th in the nation in strikeout-to-walk ratio with a 4.8. Minnesota is 5th in strikeout-to-walk ratio with a 4.51. And the last thing I have for you from team stats is Arizona State leads the nation in walks with 128. So those are all your stat leaders as of Monday. Let's dive into the recap of Week 5, shall we? Wednesday, last Wednesday, Florida Gulf Coast struck first, but Natalie Lugo and Bailey Goddard's two-run home run lifts Florida past Florida Gulf Coast 3-1. Florida State took down Central Florida 8-3, and Central Florida was down 8-0 to be fair, but they managed to score three runs in the seventh to... um, make it look like they were going to come back and at least give Florida State some trouble. Um, But Florida State ended up getting that win. Grace Lyons, Jocelyn Alo, and Lindsey Elam power Oklahoma to an 8-5 win over Wichita State with a home run for each of them. And that was Wednesday. Last Thursday, Arizona State scores 12 runs in the first two innings to crush Wright State 12-0 in five innings. Michigan scores five runs in the top of the seventh to take down Cal State Fullerton 5-1 before a huge matchup with UCLA. Uh, Megan Bobian had 12 strikeouts in that game over Cal State Fullerton. Megan Faramos, 11 strikeout and 5 hit shutout leads UCLA past Michigan 2-0. And we'll move on to Friday's action last week. Cal State Fullerton took down Minnesota 2-0. Utah scores two runs on a walk-off homer to avoid a loss to Mercer 6-5. Clemson crushes Pitt 9-1 in five innings to go 4-0 in ACC play. MK Bonamy had three RBIs in the game. South Dakota State beats Iowa 8-2, which is a stunner in my mind for sure because Iowa's looked really good. They probably didn't, I mean, I think they saved Allison Ducey, their stud pitcher in the circle for their next game on Friday. Um, But I don't think I have that on here if I'm... Yeah, I don't think they pitched their star pitcher, Allison Ducey, in that game, but... It's still a stunner in my mind that Iowa lost to South Dakota State either way. Alex Duraco's 13 strikeouts lead Michigan past Boston University 2-1. UVA's first ACC game at Palmer Park ends with a 4-0 loss to Virginia Tech in which Keely Richard threw 10 strikeouts and only allowed one hit. Ohio State takes down Oregon State behind a three-hit shutout from Peyton Bursch, 3-0. Coastal Carolina stuns Louisiana 7-1, which was a big loss at the time. Um, We'll talk more about that series later, but Coastal Carolina absolutely stunned Louisiana on Friday. 
Liberty hangs with Texas but fell two to nothing. Stanford took down Tennessee seven to two. Riley Trilicek throws a three-hit shutout for Florida in a 6-0 win over Auburn. UConn took down JMU, as I mentioned earlier, 9-5 on Friday. Um, In that game, JMU committed way too many errors, and the umpire didn't help anyone out by being inconsistent with his strike zone. So that's all I'll say about that game, so we'll leave that be. South Carolina, as I mentioned, took down Georgia in the first game 4-2. Oklahoma crushes Utah 10-2 in five innings. Central Florida walked off on Michigan thanks to a wild pitch from Alex Storacco, 3-2 in eight innings. Annie Willis throws a 19-strikeout no-hitter and a 6-0 win for Mississippi State over Mississippi Valley State. Minnesota rebounds by holding on to beat Long Beach State 3-2 in eight innings. Missouri scores nine runs in the fifth and sixth innings to crush Ole Miss nine to one in six innings. <clears throat> Autumn Storms, Danielle Gibson and Arkansas outduel Montana Fouts and Alabama one to nothing. LSU scored twenty one runs in a twenty one to nothing five inning rout of Campbell. Georgina Cork threw, threw a two-hit shutout and a four-to-nothing win for South Florida over Iowa State. Texas Tech scores 17 runs in a 17-to-nothing five-inning route of Fairleigh Dickinson. New Mexico State takes down Arizona State two-to-nothing. Uh, Central Florida, I mentioned, they hung tough with UCLA, but eventually would fall 4-2. to two. Like I said, this UC- Central Florida team is a lot better than people think. I'm pretty confident in saying that. Um, Sammy, And lastly on Friday, Sammy Reynolds and Silent Rain Espinoza both hit two home runs and five RBIs in a 19-0 five-inning win for Washington over Santa Clara. Moving on to last Saturday, Louisville took down Northwestern 3-1. Northwestern's not having a good season at all. M.K. Bonamy's two-run homer lifts Clemson past Pitt 7-2 to move to 5-0 in ACC play. Um, Cal State Fullerton manages to take down Central Florida 7-2, so Cal State Fullerton picked up a really good win right there. New Mexico State hands Mariah Mazon a 4-2 loss in a win over Mex- uh, Oregon State. So that was a good win uh, for another good win for New Mexico State, taking down another Pac-12 team. Um... C.J. Landrum puts the ball in play, and it leads to a walk-off for Georgia in the ninth inning to tie the series with South Carolina. 6-5 was the final score of that game. Kentucky scores four runs in the sixth to take down Texas A&M 11-9 in the first game of the series. See, that right there just tells you how exciting that was. I mean, that uh, the first game is an offensive slugfest, 11-9. That's just awesome. That's fun. Um, Summer Ellison rallies Louisiana in a three-hit shutout in a 5 to nothing win over Coastal Carolina to tie that series. Southeast Missouri State kept Missouri State... Uh, oh, God. Southeast Missouri State kept Mississippi State close but ultimately fell 2 to nothing. UC Santa Barbara keeps Washington close but falls 3 to 1. Alabama scored 5 runs in the 6th to run rule Arkansas 10 to 2 in 6 innings. Boise State kept Arizona close but fell 2 to 1. Central Florida rebounded with a 6 to 1 win over Long Beach State. Uh, let's see, UConn run rules JMU 12-2 on their own field. <sighs> another, another game I wish I could wipe from my memory, but oh well, we'll just move on. 
Missouri takes down Ole Miss 6-1 to guarantee a series win. Allison Febre's double, two home runs, and six RBIs led Oklahoma State to an 11-2 six-inning win over Utah. Lindsey Elam saves Oklahoma with a walk-off single to lead uh, the lead Oklahoma past Missouri State 3-2 in the eighth inning. Liberty hangs with Texas yet again, but fell 3-0 this time. Hannah Adams hit a walk-off single to lift Florida over Auburn 2-1 in the 11th inning to guarantee a series win. And Arizona State fell twice, or uh, trailed twice to Nebraska, but eventually won the game 7-3. Aaron Edmondson throws a perfect game for Texas Tech. In a eight to nothing five inning win over Fairleigh Dickinson, Lexi Sosa throws a perfect game for UCLA in ten to nothing five inning win over Boston University. Loyola Marymount couldn't pull off the magic one more time. They were down seven to one to Oregon. They pulled it close, but ultimately lost seven to five. So. Loyola Marymount is better than people are giving credit for as well. Um, They almost came back on Oregon and beat them, so just saying, keep your eyes out for them moving forward because that's going to be a fun, 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 fun team. Um, Arizona State scored 12 runs in the first inning in route to a 16-0 five-inning win over Lehigh. And lastly on Saturday, Megan Faramo's two-hit, 13-strikeout shutout leads UCLA past Autumn Pease and Minnesota 4-0. And the stunner about that game is all four runs for UCLA came on Delaney Wiz's Grand Slam. So if Delaney Wiz hadn't hit that Grand Slam, they would have gone to extras and who knows how long they would have gone because that was a fantastic game. UCLA Minnesota was lived up to the, uh, I mean it lived up to the expectations that I had for that game for sure. Um, So that was an absolutely fantastic game to watch Saturday night once those clocks turned to spring forward and every all that good stuff. Moving on to Sunday Miranda Ellish threw a perfect game in a 7-0 win over New Mexico. Um, She had 10 strikeouts in the game, but New Mexico also committed 7 errors, which is baffling to think that you can commit 7 errors in one game. Clemson finally dropped their first ACC game in an 8-2 loss at home to Pitt to bring their record to 5-1 in ACC play, so Clemson isn't going to go undefeated in ACC play. Shame. (laughs) Um, A 7-17 St. Mary's team pushed Washington to the final out, but ultimately Washington got the win 3-2. That was interesting. Louisiana scores 10 runs in the first three innings to take the series over Coastal Carolina with a 10-2 five-inning win. Central Florida picked up another good win with a 5-3 victory over San Diego State. Um, So that was a really good win. Another another resume-boosting win for Central Florida. Tennessee got some revenge on Stanford and beat them 5-0. Keely Rochard was an error away from a perfect game in a 7-0 win for Virginia Tech over UVA. She had another 10 strikeouts in that game. Georgia crushes South Carolina 11-3 in five innings to take that series. And like I also mentioned earlier, Alabama takes down Arkansas 9-1 in six innings to take that series as well. Um... Evansville 
excuse me. <clears throat> Evansville crushes Illinois nine to one. I didn't expect that one at all. Um, I know Illinois hasn't isn't having the best season, but Illinois was having a good season, and then gets absolutely pummeled by Evansville of all teams. So I mean. That game right there just tells you anything can happen on from game to game. You just got to be ready for whatever comes at you, man, because life and softball comes at you fast, real fast. Um, I didn't. I mentioned it earlier from my headlines, but I didn't think it would happen. But Central Florida and Minnesota ended their game in a five to five tie, so that's. Gonna, uh, that's going to be a stain on their record and their resume because both could have had a huge win and resume-boosting win come NCAA tournament, but whatever. It is what it is. Man, Minnesota's not going to host a regional, are they? Man. Man, uh, we'll get into that. We'll get into more tournament talks come April, more expectations of seedings and all that good stuff. Um more in April, but um, Florida scores eight runs in the first in route to a 11 to nothing five inning win over Auburn to sweep that series. Missouri starts SEC play with a sweep of Ole Miss thanks to a three to one victory. Um, Oregon State scores seven runs in the last three innings to take down Ohio State seven to three. Oregon walks off on Seattle in eighth inning to avoid a big upset, which, yes, that would very well be a huge upset, so um, take that as you will. <clears throat> Texas A&M took down Kentucky 6-3 to tie the series going into Monday night on the SEC Network. And lastly, Madison Preston threw a one-hit shutout in a 9 to nothing 5-inning win for Arizona State over Ohio State. On Monday, the only thing that I had uh, noted here was Kentucky almost blew a 9 to one lead, but Autumn Humes and Mallory Payton's grand slams were enough to hold off Texas A&M 9-8 to to take the series. And if you want to think about this, Texas A&M had the bases loaded to end the game. So a well-placed hit, and Texas A&M might have beaten Kentucky to win that series at Kentucky, no less. Also, Kentucky nearly blew a 9-1 lead. Can we just think about that? Kentucky was a couple outs away from run-ruling Texas A&M, but they scrapped a run across the board and eventually just started chipping away at Kentucky's lead. And boy, did it turn out to be incredible. I mean, legitimately, man, like, <laughs> Kentucky nearly blew it, man. That was an insane game to watch. I, if, if You wouldn't have believed your eyes unless you had seen it yourself. Um... And then we move on to yesterday's action. Um, Florida may have been looking ahead to the matchup with Florida State tonight um, because they played a close game with Penn. And, and they played a close game with Penn, but they ultimately won 4-1, to one, so it wasn't that huge of a deal, you know, you know what I'm saying? Um... Then let's see. Kansas blow Kansas was up two to nothing going into the bottom of the seventh at Arkansas. And they blew that two to nothing lead um in the first game of a doubleheader, and Arkansas walked off thanks to a hit by pitch with the bases loaded. So Kansas sitting at what was it? Uh, did I, I did I put it down in there? No, I didn't. Um, well, Kansas is 50th in the RPI, which I didn't expect this early in the season, but um, it is what it is. Um, 
but Kansas blew a two to nothing lead in the seventh inning in the first game of the doubleheader. And guess what happened in the second game of that doubleheader? Arkansas walked off again in the second game with a home run, uh, one to nothing. Kansas nearly had Arkansas, a team ranked 20th in the nation. So Kansas nearly had two uh, uh, two wins at an SEC school ranked in the top 25. So if Kansas's RPI was 50, could you imagine what Kansas's RPI would have done if they had beaten Arkansas both game or even just one game? If they would have split that doubleheader, that would have been huge for Kansas. I mean, after the way they started the season and then they started to heat up, Kansas is looking like a much better team. Albeit, I mean, I mean, that game they played against JMU at the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational, that might have sparked the that might have been the spark to get them going this season. Um but man, it would have been huge, absolutely massive for Kansas if they had at least won one game at Arkansas. But that's okay. I mean, they'll they'll learn how to be able to hopefully win those games and be a factor in the Big 12 moving forward hopefully um you'll never we'll never know for sure but you know we'll see moving forward <clears throat> um Gia Rodoni throws a one-hit gem to lead Baylor past Houston one to nothing in the first game of a doubleheader um Houston's not a bad team at all either um, but Baylor nearly blew a seven to nothing lead in the second game of that doubleheader, but they ultimately won ten to six. Um, <clears throat> so Baylor ended up pulling out the doubleheader sweep uh, over Houston, and that just tells me, like I said, Houston's not bad. They're hanging around, man. Um, Houston could be a force in the American. I mean, I think the American is dominated by Central Florida right now. Um, but you got UConn, South Florida, and Houston all there waiting to, you know, pick up the pieces once the American play starts. <clears throat> and then the last game that I have in my recap, Tennessee took a very, 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 very bad loss to UNC at home last night on ESPNU, 3-2. to um, UNC down Brittany Pickett went to Tennessee and took them down. Rem- remember, I we talked about the RPI rankings earlier. UNC was 100 and, what was it, 181st? 181st in the RPI. Meanwhile, Tennessee, for some godforsaken reason aside from the fact that they're in the SEC, is 21st in RPI. Um, But that is a massive loss for Tennessee. I I mean, that is insane that Tennessee took that. I mean, Tennessee's RPI is going to take a hit after that game. I guarantee it. UNC's RPI is probably going to get a good boost there. Um... But, wow, that is a bad, 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 bad loss for Tennessee. And it's just in trend with the season, man. Tennessee's not having a great season. I mean, their pitcher, Ashley Rogers, is also not playing, so they're having to rely on their freshman, Callie Turner, in the circle. And she hasn't looked terrible by any means. It's just she's not getting the run support she needs, you know? Um, But anyway... That's your recap of week five. So let's look ahead. Let's highlight some games for week six. Starting tonight. You got Florida State at Florida. The Battle of the Sunshine State tonight. Um, That should be a fantastic matchup. I think Florida will win. Um, But Florida State obviously could... They have the firepower to win this game. They... um, I think Florida will win, like I said, but I, you know, we'll just have to wait and see how it all plays out tonight. 
Um, Illinois versus Missouri. This game will be played in St. Louis. I don't. I don't think I ever saw the reason why, but whatever. Um, I want to see if Illinois can take down Missouri. Uh, uh, you know, it should be a fun matchup. I hope. <laughs> you know, I don't want to see. Obviously, I don't want to see any blowouts or anything like that. But you know should be an interesting one to at least keep up with, which I will as soon as I get home from work tonight. Um, Wichita State travels to Oklahoma State, so we'll see if they can um, give Oklahoma State the same scare that they gave Oklahoma last week. Hopefully. I mean, I have the game up on my stats ready to go for the night, so we'll <laughs> hopefully... Um, BYU at Alabama. Alabama should win that game, but I'm interested to see if BYU can make it closer than I would expect. Um, down there at Rhodes Stadium in Alabama. Um, Texas Tech and Minnesota will play twice in Hawaii. Um, that should be fun. I will, I think... Amber Pfizer, Amber Pfizer is clearly the best pitcher in the that the, of those two teams. Um, but Amber Pfizer and Autumn Pease together should shut down Texas Tech, in theory. Um, I think Minnesota wins both games, but you never know how it's going to play out with how the season is going. So keep an eye out for that those two games in Hawaii. Utah at Seattle. Seattle's been giving teams a tough fight, so I want to see if Utah can take them down with ease or play a close game and win or even lose. Um, so I'm anxious to see how that works. New Mexico State and their high-powered offense that knows how to hit home runs travels to Oklahoma. That should be a fun game. I want to see if New Mexico State can can uh, still be leading the nation in home runs per game after traveling to Oklahoma. And granted, G. Juarez is hasn't been pitching much, if at all, really for Oklahoma this season. So I want to see if they can get some hits off of maybe Shannon Sale or one of their other pitchers. Um, so that should be fun. Florida State travels down to Duke for an ACC series this weekend. Um, I would say Florida State's going to... I don't think Florida State's going to sweep. I think Duke actually will take a game, at least. Duke has the potential, I would say, to win this series, but I'm going to pick Florida State to win this series. Um, it's it, just, just too much firepower on Florida State for them to lose an ACC series unless it's to like Virginia Tech or well really I guess only Virginia Tech then um, LSU travels to South Carolina for a three game series this weekend um, that should be an interesting one um, you know, LSU's getting to play their first SEC series of the season, so they're going to go go down to, um, Lord, where's South Carolina at? Jeez. Uh, anyway, um, LSU, I think, takes two. I think South Carolina is good enough to get one, but they're not going to win two games against LSU. Or I mentioned it earlier. Oregon travels to Cal for a three-game series. I Oregon's going to sweep that series in my mind. <clears throat> Houston, after their doubleheader yesterday against Baylor, travels to Oklahoma this weekend. Baylor travels to Florida for a three-game series. So Florida has the week off from an SEC series, but they'll host Baylor for three games. That should be really fun to watch this weekend. Um, I wanna, you want to see if Florida can continue their really hot streak and see if they continue looking like one of the best teams in the country. Kentucky travels to Mississippi State for a three-game series, so Mississippi State will get their first SEC action of the year, um, and they'll host a good Kentucky team whose offense is legit. 
Um, I want to see if Mississippi State can actually take a series against. I mean, and they're at home, so if Mississippi State can take that series, that would be huge for them. Central Florida travels to Ole Miss for a three-game series, so that's can Ole Miss take a game from Central Florida? In theory, yes, they could, but Central Florida is good enough to sweep Ole Miss at Ole Miss. So we'll see how that series plays out. Georgia travels to Arkansas for a three-game series, so that should be a good one. Texas goes to Alabama for their tournament. Uh, They'll play twice this weekend, which is an absolutely, I mean, Miranda Ellish, Montana Fouts, Shea O'Leary, Courtney Day, Lexi Kilfoyle. That's just the names of the people in the circle. Oh, man, that's going to be an extremely fun two games. Tennessee travels to Texas A&M for a three-game series. So Tennessee will get their first SEC action at Texas A&M this weekend. Um, uh, The way Texas A&M played last week, I expect Texas A&M to almost sweep Tennessee, if I'm being quite honest with you. Um... I mentioned Oregon State traveling to Arizona for a series this weekend. I got Arizona in that series. Utah at Washington mentioned that. I got Washington in that series. Arizona State at UCLA. I got UCLA in that series. BYU against Texas. Um, I want to see if, like, basically the same reason that I have BYU at Alabama here. I want to see if BYU can keep Texas close, if not beat them. Um, BYU is always one of those Western Conference or West team Western teams that seems to make the tournament and you know at least try to give some or make some damage you know. But um, the SEC series that starts on Saturday and ends on Monday night with SEC Network, we got Missouri at Auburn for a three-game series starting Saturday. Um, that is actually a much that's actually a really good series in my opinion that should be very fun to watch an old CAA rivalry plays out again in the SEC with coach Larissa Anderson who was a former head coach at Hofstra uh, now coaching for Missouri and coach Mickey Dean who used to coach at JMU and now is coaching at Auburn. So that's the, an old CAA rivalry kicking up again here um, in the SEC with Missouri-Auburn. So that should be fun to watch. I will definitely be keeping up with that just to see how the two former CAA coaches uh, match up. <clears throat> Iowa travels to South Florida. So that should be a fun one. I want to see if South Florida can beat Iowa maybe. Um, Iowa at Florida Gulf Coast is another interesting matchup. Um, And the last highlighted game I have for the week six or the next upcoming week is Florida State at Coastal Carolina. I want to see if Coastal Carolina can manage to take a game or manage to beat Florida State. They managed to beat Louisiana once. Can they do the same thing with Florida State? I don't think so, but we'll have to wait until next week to find out and lastly to wrap it all up here today we got the USA softball stand beside her tour um team USA will be at Washington tomorrow night um March 12th at 9 o'clock so I'll probably be keeping up with that because I want to see how team USA does against Washington and Gabby Plain better pitch that game because team USA might actually be facing um, Gabby Plain and it, when she pitches for Australia in the Olympics this summer so I want to see that matchup I want to see how they were how they match up against each other like that <clears throat> and then uh, on Tuesday March 17th team USA will be in Oregon to take on Portland State and Oregon State Um more excited for that Team USA-Oregon State matchup. Obviously, I don't think Portland State has anything for Team USA. Um, but those are just their um, tour stops in the next week. So 
Oh, that just about wraps up everything I have for you today and for the last week and the upcoming week. Um, I will not be traveling this weekend, so this is going to be a good weekend to catch up and just watch as much softball as I can, which is 100% the plan. Um, so, just... You know, I'll keep preaching the same message. Just keep watching, keep keeping up with games. Um, be conscious of what's going on throughout the country, not just on the East Coast, but if you are listening, you know, in the Central Mountain or Pacific time zone, um, be conscious of what's going on in around the country. Because, um, you know, there's a lot going on right now, and that's, I mean, not all of it is softball related, um, so we'll have to keep up with that and how that affects everything, um, but just keep up with as much as you can, be conscious of what's going on around the entire country, don't just limit yourself to what's around you or what you know, Get uncomfortable, go outside of what you know, and follow teams that, you know, you don't necessarily know or keep up with, um, and watch some of their games. Um, you'll be better informed, you'll be, you'll have more knowledge of what's going to happen come NCAA tournament, um, but just go out there and keep up with everything, and let's have a good week of softball, shall we? Alright, uh... That'll just about do it here for you today. This is Tyler signing off. Have a good week, everybody, and let's have a great week of softball. Good night.